The opinions and views shared in this podcast are the opinions and views of the host and the host alone. They are not a reflection of his employer or any other organization that the host is a member of. The host does not speak for anyone, only himself. This is the I Am Pith Podcast. Get ready for contact. What's going on, everybody? This is your boy Dex with the I Am Pits podcast. Man, definitely back for another episode. And as always, you know, it feels good to be back in front of the microphone. But before we get started with the show today, today's kind of a special day, but it's also a sad day. And I'll get with you all later in the show later on that. But today is my lovely wife, Christina's birthday. I'm not going to say how old she is because I don't want her to kill me. Just know she's a little younger than me. Not much, but man, happy birthday, my love. I love you. You are appreciated. Our family is so much better off without you because Lord knows if it was just me, who knows where me and the kids would be. You are, man, it's hard to find the words to describe and tell people how awesome you are, but you are the cornerstone of this family, girl. We love you. We wish you a happy birthday. That breakfast I took you to this morning, you are definitely welcome. And that gift I got you, you are welcome as well. And I hope you enjoy the rest of your day without the kids. And just enjoy this day that's about you, girl. We love you and happy birthday. And also, man, you all out there listening, give her a round of applause for her being on the podcast last week. Man, that was a phenomenal episode. I have over 365 downloads of that episode in just over a week, man. So, Those of you out there listening and tuning in, thank you so much for listening to what she had to say. And we've gotten so much good feedback on it on that episode. And man, people are like, bro, your wife is an angel. And I'm like, I know I do not deserve such a good woman. I don't know any other wife in this world that would let her husband walk away from an eight year career to step out on faith and chase a dream of chasing illegals through the desert and support him every step of the way. My wife is very, she's awesome and she is special. But as I always tell her, don't feel special, girl. You wife number three, you definitely not special. (laughs) No, I'm joking. She is definitely special to me. So I'm thankful for her. My kids are thankful for her and everybody she comes in contact with, in contact with. Everybody's thankful for her. When they, when I tell people she really is this great and nice of a person. No, she's not perfect. She has her flaws, of course, but I have more flaws than her, but she's got her own, you know, but Man, it's she's really that nice of a person. And it it's almost sickening because when you're like me, I'm a, you know, a low down gutter dwelling U.S. Army grunt and a street cop. And when you come in contact with somebody that's so nice, clean and pure, it's just like, man, like, how did you become this great of a person? I don't know, but I'm just glad that. Hey, man, uh, what's the old saying I hear guys say when they talk about their wives? I outkicked my coverage on that one. So I definitely did, but definitely happy to have her in my life and have had her on the podcast. And I look forward to having her back on again in the near future. You know, we'll get down in the weeds a little bit more about being a police wife. And so, yeah, we're celebrating her birthday today. So that's a good thing about today. But my God, man, I don't know. That's about the only good thing that has happened this month is my wife's birthday. Because outside of that, it has been absolute chaos in not just my life, but in the freaking country. People, what is going on out here? Man, we have freaking Chinese spy balloons drifting all the way across the country. 
and our government, quote unquote, didn't know about it or didn't do anything about it until the last possible moment. And this thing was pretty much out of country and over the Atlantic Ocean. Then we have more un, what, what they call them, UFOs, correct? Being spotted in what North of America and Canada. And then just today or yesterday, man, I heard a report of another giant white balloon over Hawaii. And now this balloon is somewhere over the Pacific Ocean. And I don't think they can find it. Man, this is crazy and getting out of hand, bro. I mean, we know it's a Chinese spy balloon, but now everybody's saying the other objects that that are out there, nobody knows what they are. They can't describe it. And they're calling them UFOs. And now you got people saying that it's aliens. And I'm just like, man, I don't know if it's aliens, but whatever's going on, something ain't right. You know, I was listening to Alex Jones and I told y'all I don't listen to Alex Jones much. But what he was saying is that it's China testing, you know, these weather balloons, these low tech, these low tech type of uh, attacks and trying to detonate an EMP in the atmosphere, which would cripple the American infrastructure because everything we have runs on electricity. You know, and I'm just like, you know what? He's Alex Jones is a little crazy. He's a little out there. I don't know if he's crazy or putting on a good show, but it absolutely makes sense when you think about it, because we have advanced so far as a society that we're so technologically advanced that we forget how low tech stuff still works. I mean, we lost two wars recently to the Taliban and we lost the war to the Vietnamese in Vietnam. They didn't have none of the tech we had and still danced with us on the battlefield and held their own, no matter how many of them we killed. Low tech versus high tech. High tech gives you the advantage, but it does not always guarantee victory. But unfortunately, like I said, China's using these balloons to do who knows what. And I mean, who else really knows what's going on with these balloons? Uh, clearly, our government doesn't know. And I'm just kind of here living my life like, you know, just another day in America in you know February of 2023. You know, who would have guessed coming into 2023 that the most talked about and sought out news stories would be Chinese spy balloons? <laughs> like nobody, man. I, no, I did not see this one coming. Nobody saw it coming. And then not just that. We got these freaking strange train derailments happening everywhere and all over the place. Now, the biggest one that happened was in a place called East Palestine in Ohio. And so, you know, that I saw the cloud, the smoke cloud, not from and not in person, I'm just saying online. And I didn't know. Honestly, I didn't know what the heck was going on. Y'all, I'll be honest. I've been kind of out of the loop on social media and the news. Just kind of living my life, man, not paying attention. You know, and I'm I keep seeing people post this atomic cloud. And I'm thinking this is something from overseas or an older picture. So they're like, no, this is happening now. And I'm just like, oh, crap, what's going on? So I see this train derailment and it leaked all these chemicals into the Ohio River. Now, if you all know where I'm currently living, uh, I am very, very close to the Ohio River and the water sources from there. And all these chemicals leaked in and then they just burnt all this stuff up. And now the government is saying, hey, it's OK to drink the water. And unbeknownst to me, like I said, I've not been paying attention. I, you know, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I am not prepared for a major disaster as I should be. That's something I want to start doing. But currently, right now, at this day and age and time, I'm not ready. So, I mean, it didn't even fat, you know, come across my mind that I need to go get water. But all of a sudden, I see people start popping up in my timeline talking about, oh, my God, they're out of water everywhere. And I'm just like, man, what's going on? Like, and that's like when I see the whole story about, you know, the train derailment and the water being contaminated and polluted. But, you know, the government's here saying it's going to be OK. You know, it's you could drink the water and we all know 
When the government says everything's okay and the government tells you not to panic, you should probably raise the hairs on the back of your neck a little bit and consider starting to prep a little bit more. So that's definitely something I'm going to be looking into here in the near future is making sure that I get ready, not just me, but me, myself, and my family. Have us ready for any major national disaster, natural disaster, because it happens. And we see with this train derailment, it can come at any point in time. And, uh, you know, I'm still drinking the water out here. I'm, I'm not going to lie, y'all. If I'm not going to lie, I am. So if I start developing superpowers and if I'm actually able to catch kids that run away from me now, hey, man, I'm giving a shout out to that contaminated water I'm drinking because that's the only way and only reason I'm going to catch them. And the other thing that's really, truly sad about this thing, they, they're saying that this is one of the worst train derailments and chemical spills in American history in regards to trains. But for some odd reason, the United States government, the federal government who sucks up all our tax dollars has not said a damn word about it. No one's come to visit Pete Buttigieg, the uh, Department of uh, Transportation secretary, not a word. And it's almost just like they're just sweeping this thing under the rug. You're like, it's crazy. I mean, they told these people that they can return to their homes in this zone that was polluted with all these crazy chemicals. But the government is nowhere to be found. Now, if there was money on that train, I guarantee you that the government would be there. Without a doubt, they would be there. But since there's no money and nothing for them to gain, it's so weird that the government has not stepped in. FEMA, someone, somebody step in and help these people. Nothing. But of course... You know, we're sending you know, $100 million to Ukraine to go fight this war against Russia. And we're fighting this proxy war. But unfortunately, for some odd reason, we are not helping our own people in crisis. And it makes absolutely no sense. So why are we paying tax dollars to a federal government that won't even take care of the people that you're supposed to take care of? But instead, we're taking care of a foreign country, providing them with everything that they want and need to fight this war. But yet we're letting our people in our own backyard go without water and having to deal with this giant contamination spill. This makes zero sense to me. And while this makes zero sense to me, this whole thing with the balloons and the train derailment and chemical spills in the water. There's another thing that's kind of perplexing my mind that's very interesting, but it's also very confusing and unexplainable, explainable to me. And the thing is, over the last few weeks, I have been seeing people, mostly millennials and Gen Z, wearing these giant, ugly, bright ass red boots, and they have been popping up everywhere. Yes, you all are morons. And I don't know any normal person that would wear these damn things. I really don't. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go just Google giant red boots. <laughs> it's become a thing now, and I don't understand why. I really don't. Maybe it's just because I'm becoming a boomer. But man, these they're called mischief boots. And man, they are three hundred and fifty bucks. They are literally giant red boots that go over all the way up to like mid calf level, almost up to your knees. And they look like cartoon character boots and they're huge. And you have people literally wearing these things for style and fashion wise. And I'm just like, is this real? This is a remind. This is why I stay off of social media so much because I can't take none of this stuff serious. But here's the deal: if I see you wearing these red boots out, and you coming up up to me and asking me, "Hey, Dex, can I borrow a couple dollars from you?" You know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna smack the ever living life out of you. But we in a recession. The economy is failing, 
And you got millennials and Gen Z out here complaining about the housing prices and the housing market's unfair, yet you can't afford rent. No, you can't afford to get a house. You got a Tesla payment. You're paying $1,000 for a month. You can't even afford the insurance on it. You're supposed to be saving money because guess what? You don't even got to put gas in it. You just got to charge that bad boy up. But guess what? You got enough money to spend $350 on some ridiculous ass looking red cartoon boots. Ain't no way, bro. No, no way, player. No way. This is real life, man. And they're so ugly and so hideous. And people are buying and wearing these things. But like I said, it's not normal people. I don't know who the people are that are wearing them. I've not seen them in person in public. But apparently it's a big thing on social media, man. Whoever you are. I'll say this, man. If you can have $350 for these giant, ugly, red atrocity of boots, I know you got money to spend on my next sponsor, Gunfighter Trading Company. Gunfighter Trading Company is out here in the market making moves and producing some awesome, great, wonderful products, man. As I'm sitting here recording this episode, as a matter of fact, I have some special guests in the studio. I have a, a couple of uh, local strippers here with me. Uh, say hi, ladies. Okay, maybe maybe I don't. I'm lying. I'm lying. I'm lying, y'all. I don't have any strippers here with me in the studio, but it smells like I do. And why are you asking me? Why does it smell like I have strippers in my studio? Because I'm sitting here burning a gunfighter trading company candle called Regret. In the description of it says it smells like exotic dancers and sleeping on the couch. And my God, it does. If my wife, Christina, comes downstairs right now and walks to this office before she gets into this studio, She's probably going to go into fight mode and be ready to fight the perceived strippers that she thinks that are in my studio because that's how strong and convincing the smell of this candle is. And not only that, bro, talk about presentation. When I moved the removed the candle out of the box, there was stripper glitter in the candle. All I'm saying is if you want your house to smell like regret and smell like exotic dancers while you're sleeping on a couch, Go to Gunfighter Trading Company right now and load up on some candles, load up on some merch, and load up on some beard bombs. And don't forget to put in your discount code PITS for 15% off. You know, if I'm going to drop $350 on something, it's going to be something from Gunfighter Trading Company, not these dumbass red boots that I see people with. You know, and I'm about to be 39 in a couple months, and I don't recall ever being so angry at stupid things and stupid people and stupid fashion trends. But I don't know what it is, but something in me is just it's just starting to get to me, man. I'm getting to the point where I'm ready to start Rick James and people like on the Dave Chappelle show and giving them the five fingers to the face. And I know what you're saying. Dex, you're a cop. You shouldn't be talking like that. Well, you know what? I'm sorry. I'm not perfect. I'm only human and I can only take so much. The stupidity is getting to me. You know, what I really want, I don't want to have to use my five fingers to smack somebody in the face for wearing these ridiculous ass boots. What I really like to be doing with my five fingers is picking up some good old fried chicken and watermelon. The food of my people as we celebrate Black History Month. You know, as a black man whose family's from the South, I'm going to go ahead and say it. That is the food of my people. Yes, it is the food of black people. Nobody can dispute that. That's what soul food is. It's all encompassing. It's all part of it. But for some odd reason, when people try to serve black people soul food, black people get offended. Like, for example, in New York a couple weeks ago, this New York school apologizes for serving chicken, waffles and watermelon for Black History Month. The principal from this school said that it was an unfortunate situation 
and that it was inexcusably insensitive. And then said, we are extremely disappointed by this regrettable, regrettable situation and apologize to the entire Nyack community for the cultural insensitivity displayed by our food service provider. And the principal also said, I am disappointed that Aramark would serve items that differed from the published monthly menu, especially items that reinforce negative stereotypes concerning the African-American community. Now, when he's talking about the negative stereotypes, he's talking about the old blackface films from way, 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 way back in the day where you had white guys dressing up as black guys, you know, doing the blackface paint and the white lips and then just sitting there eating fried chicken and watermelon. Okay. Now, we know those days are long gone. That stuff ain't going on now. For, but for some odd reason, we let certain Hollywood celebrities do blackface and nobody forget. everybody forgets about it and these people get their own television show. But that's a whole different topic. But we're going to fly off the handle when for Black History Month, this school, their food provider provides them with a soulful meal for Black History Month where we are supposed to be celebrating black history and black culture, the culture. Here's the thing, dear black people, we need to make a choice. Do we love soul food or do we not? Is soul food the food of our people or is it not? I mean, how can we say we love something and we're great at cooking it, but at the same time, we're ashamed of something we love and be offended by it at the same time? How does that work? Every other group, race, and culture of people are proud of their cuisines. But for some odd reason, black people, we're not proud of our cuisines when they are presented to us by people that don't look like us. I mean, you go to any other school during Hispanic Heritage Month, Asian American Month, man, they put you know, the food that those people eat out. But for some odd reason, we a special class of people. We can't put out. We can't put out the fried chicken and watermelon melon now for the black people. Now, we can't do that. They might get offended. Why are we so freaking sensitive, man? And the crazy part is. This type of story happens every year and everybody's like, well, when are people going to learn? I'm like, people have learned. People know. But my thing is, when are we going to stop being so daggum sensitive over food items because of a perceived negative stereotype? Bro, let's be real. Everybody like fried chicken. Everybody like watermelon. Man, I say we take that back and we claim that shit right now. Yo, that's us. That's what we do. Yes, that's us. We, we made that. But for some odd reason, we double down on the sensitivity like, oh, my God. Oh, white people presenting me fried chicken and watermelon. This is country's racist. You know, it's so weird, man. You go to other cultures from Germany, Austria, you know, the Swiss Alps. They're going to be like, yeah, yeah, we love these schnitzel. We love bratwurst and schnitzel grugen. Yeah, I love sauerkraut. Bro, if you go talk to somebody from Mexico and ask them, hey, man, what do y'all eat? They're going to tell you, man, you know what we eat? Bro, we eating pozole, burritos, tostadas, menudo. Man, go talk to my boy Rudy. Now, Rudy's a halfy. He's half white, half Korean. But his Korean side, he ain't ashamed of it. This man's constantly on my page and my Instagram hey, putting pictures of his food out there. And it says half Asian perks. What's the food he's displaying that's uh, Korean food? Man, this man's putting up yakimandu, bagogi, rice, kimchi, japchae, all that. And I love Korean food. And every time I go to any Korean restaurant, you know what I do? I take a picture of my food and I send it to Rudy, to the Korean half, though, not the white half. I send it to him and say, yo, half Asian perks, dog. And he don't get mad. He's like, bro, that looks so good, man. Bro, go talk to some people that are Af some real Africans. I'm not talking black Americans to my Africa, Africa, real black Africans, people that's darker than me, Africans. 
That's what I'm talking about. Go ask them what they eat. They're going to tell you, no, we love the jollof rice. You know, and they love fufu and they love some they love some grilled chicken, man. And it's phenomenal. Man, I got a buddy whose restaurant downtown Ethiopia place I go to all the time. Phenomenal food. It is a food specific to his people. Bro, I went, me and my wife went to a restaurant. I, I'm not even going to try to pronounce the name of it. It's a Cuban restaurant downtown. La Bodaguia, something like that, man. I can't pronounce that. Y'all know me. That's why I left the Border Patrol. Yeah, but, man, phenomenal restaurant. Everybody working there is Cuban. The food was splendid. Probably the best restaurant I have been to in a long time. But for some odd reason, if you go to a if you go to a soul food restaurant, what food are you going to be getting at the restaurant? You're going to be getting the fried chicken. You're going to be getting the yams. You're going to be getting the collard greens. You're going to be getting the cornbread and black eyed peas. And if it's a really black restaurant, you're going to be getting the chitlins. Bro, here in Louisville, we got Franco's Soul Food Restaurant. Man, some of the best food in the freaking city. Black owned. It's a black soul food restaurant. That is what they serve. But for some odd reason in America, if you try to be nice and try to level with black people when it comes to celebrating their culture and prepare them some soul food from the South, man, you're going to find yourself in the unemployment line being bashed online and being called a racist and being called insensitive because you offered a black person some fried chicken and watermelon. Negro, stop playing. You know you love that stuff. I do. Which has contributed to my me having type 2 diabetes. But I'm in, you know, I'm in the work in the process of changing that, man. I'm making some life changes, but it's still in me, man. I mean, bro, I mean, I love some good mac and cheese from the South. Man, when I went to Mississippi a couple months ago to go visit my grandparents, oh my God, I forgot how good that Southern cooking was, y'all. The only time black people should be offended when it's Black History Month and somebody creates a menu of soul food is if the soul food that they are creating tastes like garbage. Other than that, there's nothing else to be offended about. If you present me with some fried chicken and some collard greens and it tastes like booty, bro, that's a problem, man. That's that's not how we do. That. That's not how we make that. Look, step aside. Let me show you how it's done, dog. That's the only time we should be offended. But if it's good, well, you better go ahead and eat that and quit playing. So black people, once again, is this the food of our people or is this not? Why are we the only people ashamed of what we eat? No one else is. Just us. Everyone else is proud. Why can't you be proud of your great great grandmother's fried chicken recipe and you know, recipe for making greens? Boy, talk about sending mixed signals and causing chaos and confusion. What the black community ready to burn down the school in New York. Boy, but they are absolutely okay about these Black History Month police cars that are popping up all across the nation. Y'all mad as hell over a food menu. But for some odd reason, y'all are good with these police cars that are decked out in these large urban cities across in democratic cities across America. These explorers, they got the African cross colors on them. They got the black power fist and black, you no know, black slogans and sayings and famous black people on the side of these police cars. Oh my God. Yeah. But that's cool though. That's, that's all right though. We, you know, we can have that. We can, we can deal with that. We, we can't handle the menu, but we can handle a pandering police car. And the fact that, most black people don't like and trust the police, but we cool with this police car, man. I told my buddy, man, he posted a picture of one of them. My uh, dude, Officer Ben, on uh, Instagram, make sure you go and follow him. I told him, I was like, what in the world is that? 
And not just that for me, I'm looking at this police car like, yo, Black History Month is the shortest month of the year. So y'all spent how many thousands of dollars to get this car decked out to pander to black people for a mere 28 days when that money could have definitely gone to other interests on the police department. Man, that could have gone to so many other better things for the officers and the people in the, in the community. But now we're going to spend thousands of dollars to pander to black people about Black History Month. <laughs> I know I shouldn't say this, but I told him in one of the comments, I was like, boy, I bet you that police car, that Black History Month police car runs on malt liquor. <laughs> I know, I know I shouldn't say, but I did. I did just say that. Yes, of course I did. And I can say that because you know why? I used to drink a little malt liquor back in the day, a little old English boy. Ooh, oh, my God. It's horrible. <laughs> I quit drinking it, so I still have a life. Although my liver is probably still messed up from it. <laughs> but it's just so weird. Yo. So the menu makes people mad, but everybody's cool with the police car. But then I say, no wonder people don't take black people serious because we're so inconsistent with our rage. We're, we outrage about this, but not about that. You know, we outrage over something that has nothing to do with race. And then something that's blatantly racist or insensitive or dumb or stupid like this pandering police car. It's absolutely OK. Well, I tell you what, they better not ever put a black body in the back of that police car and take him to jail. <laughs> I just imagine that police car pulling up to the jail in the Sally Port, this Black History Month car, and they taking out a pulling out a black criminal at the back and putting them into the justice system. <laughs> yes, you know it's, it's it's stupid, it's dumb, man. But the but the, not joking around anymore, uh, man. Be honest. The thing that gets me the most is I hate the pandering. To you know, certain communities, man. And the thing is, as police officers, we are supposed to be impartial. You know, we don't show favor to any one group, any culture, any one person or people. We're not supposed to. You know, justice is supposed to be blind. But for some odd reason, we have not learned this lesson yet in policing, especially after all the crap we have been through in policing over the last few years with Michael Brown and the Black Lives Matter movement and cops being labeled as racist, we still have not learned to remove ourselves from these and just be impartial. What about these police cars, these Black History Month police cars says that we're impartial? Nothing. Nothing. It shows favoritism is what it does. And now, the big catchphrase and the word that everybody wants to use nowadays is equitable. They want everything to be fair and equitable, which you know, police departments are supposed to be that. But you can't say that you want to have fair and equitable treatment of people, but then you pander to one group of people and not the other. So if that's the case and y'all want to be fair and equitable for all you big major police departments out there in these urban democratic centers, you all damn well better believe that when Black History Month is over, I better see Asian Pacific Islander Month car. I better see a Hispanic Heritage Month car. And we all know what comes in the month of June. That is the month of the LGBTQ plus QIAMLOPQZ celebration, man, of the, the whole that whole thing, man. And now I've seen the cars for that celebration. And guess what? Those cars look just as ridiculous and just as pandering to the Black History Month cars. I'm just saying, if you're going to pander to one, you better pander to all, man. I mean, we're going to need a car for Juneteenth. I'm going to need a Memorial Day car, a Veterans Day car, and we're going to need a Women's Rights car and a Women's Month car as well. And of course, the Women's Month car, all the rims on it is going to be chipped on all the cars. But we can't forget about our handicapped brothers and sisters. 
wheelchair. We can't forget about the month of October, which is the National Disability Employment Awareness Month. So for that month, my ideal is to be fair and equitable. I say we replace at least one to two tires on all of our police cars with the little spare donuts that come in the back. That way we show the people of the handicapped community that we are in, you know, we're in step with them. We understand their struggle and how hard things are for them in life. You know, I mean, if you really want to get into it and be like a quadriplegic thing, man, put four donut spare tires on your car. I'm just saying they have four faulty limbs. We should have four faulty police tires. And y'all saying, Dex, you are super insensitive. That is just horrible. Well, you know what? I'm a 100 percent disabled veteran. And I have the little handicap sign on the back of my purple heart plate that I did not ask for. But for some odd reason, the state gave that to me. They think I'm handicapped. Maybe I look like it. Maybe I walk like it. I don't know why they did it. I didn't ask for that. I just wanted the purple heart plate. The handy dandy plate with the purple heart on it. But since they gave it to me, I'll go ahead and take it. So if anybody wants to file a complaint on me after listening to this podcast, guess what? One, I'm black and I can say whatever I want about black people and us being sensitive about eating fried chicken and watermelon. And two, I'm handicapped as well. So get out of my face. Excuse me, I should know better. Not handicapped, handicapable. But man, the police departments serve only two functions, people. And that is to enforce the law and keep the peace. That's it. Why have we not learned our lessons from the last few years or that we do not placate to one group of people or one culture or the other? That is not what we are supposed to do as law enforcement officers. We don't treat somebody different because they have different color than us. We don't treat somebody better because they have the same color than us. No, you go by the law, the letter of the law. That's it. And I know there's a letter of the law and the spirit of the law and discretion is everything, dude. But you can't. Put on this uniform and be and get involved into such things as, hey, I'm black and I'm going to go march in this rally. You know, this Black Lives Matter rally. You can't do that in uniform. You can't go to a political you know, event in uniform and start proclaiming what side of the aisle you're on and your political beliefs. That's not what this job is for, man. And I've said this before. and I'm going to say it again. If the KKK comes to town and you are a black officer you better have your black ass out on that street in front of the KKK, making sure that they are able to exercise their First Amendment rights. And if you are a white officer and then the Black Panthers come to town, you better have your white ass out in front of that street to make sure that the Black Panthers are able to exercise their First Amendment rights. Now, I would say something about Asians or Hispanics, but I don't know any Asian or Hispanic hate groups. But regardless, if you are an Asian or Hispanic officer, and there's a group of people out there that hate you. You better have your ass out there on that street in uniform, ensuring that their constitutional rights are not violated. We do not put on this uniform to police our morals and our values and force them upon the public. No, the United States Constitution has said specifically that all Americans are entitled to these and have certain inalienable rights. And it is your job as a member of the thin blue line to ensure that people are able to express their freedoms and liberties. We are not here as part of the government to step on people and tell them that they can and cannot do and say this and that. Now, like I said, when we know when they cross the line and it becomes a crime, yes, then we step in. So if you police departments, listen up, if you want to involve yourselves in these things, I don't have a problem with you putting together a detail of officers in uniform and saying, hey, 
There's a community event. Go down here. Provide a you know, sense of security and a presence. You know, you're not wearing the LGBTQ plus you know, beads and braids during the parade. You're not wearing the, having a little dick sickle in your mouth, a gummy dick sickle. You're sucking on and munching on during the parade. You're not doing none of that. You know, no, you're there as a measure of security and safety for the people to ensure that the people exercising their rights do not have them infringed upon. You don't get to ride in the LGBTQ plus police car because there shouldn't be one. You don't get to march in the Black History Parade because there shouldn't be one. You don't get to march in the Veterans Day Parade in uniform because I don't think that there should be, you know, that shows favoritism towards veterans. We just shouldn't. And I'm saying that as a veteran. If you want to be in that parade or be a part of that event, take your ass home, get out of your uniform, put on your civilian clothes, go put on your assless chaps or whatever you might wear to the LGBTQ parade community. If you want to be in the Black History Month parade, go put on your Malcolm X shirt and your Black Power Fist shirt and you know, puff your hair out and put the Black Power Fist in there in your civilian attire, not in your police uniform. The pandering to the black community and special interest groups has to stop. We are getting nowhere because of it. And all it is doing is reinforcing a lot of, honestly, the victim mentality that people have and making them think that because they're a certain color or part of a certain protected group, you know, that, you know, they're above the law and that, you know, the police, you know, they can't do this and say this to me. No, you break the law. That's it, man. I'm tired of these events. And honestly, God, I'm tired of the community relations branch and policing. It needs to go away. One, I think it is a waste of manpower. Two, community policing is not done on TikTok. It looks great on social media, but that is not how you win people. You, there should be no community relations department on any police department. You should have one or two people that speak on the behalf of things to the community, but that's it. Community relations is done by the beat officer day in and day out. When you put on that uniform and go to work and you go to calls and you do your job, that is your community relations. Not going out here and passing out bikes and, you know, having, you know, dropping off food to schools and all that. Dude, that stuff is stuff that beat officers do all the time. But what you're doing now is creating this whole this whole organization in the, on the department of officers that honestly, most of them were never that great on the street. I'm just going to say it. Some of y'all might get offended. Some of you might not. Oh, well, it is what it is, man. And you created this safe spot and safe place for police officers that are scared and don't want to be the real police and so all they deal with is get in uniform and hey we're here to dance and sing and make tiktok videos people yeah clap and cheer if you like the lmpd clap and cheer if you like the dallas police department hey and get on video and dance and look foolish all for what that does not change the community's perception and beliefs about you. One, because they already have these preconceived notions about you. TikTok or social media is not going to change anyone's mind. Do you know what's going to change somebody's mind in the black community about how they feel about the police department? When you go and do your job with excellence, when you do your job and you are just and fair, when you do your job and you use your discretion wisely, and you decide, you know what, I caught this young black kid with some weed, some marijuana. This young guy just got a job, but I understand that, you know what, this isn't a bad kid. Hey, man, you know what, I'm not going to you know, hammer you to the wall and put you in jail for a small dying sack of weed. I'm going to take this weed and throw it on the ground and stomp it out and give you a stern warning and tell you, you don't do this stuff, man. You don't have to do this. 
That's community policing. When you're on the scene of a homicide and people are crying, trying to figure out who killed somebody's loved one, and you go and wrap your arms around somebody's crying and tell and try to reassure them that we're going to do everything we can to find who murdered their family member, that's community policing. TikTok is not community policing. If you ask me, tick, dancing TikTok cops, yeah, some of the stuff's funny, but to me, that's the equivalent of the old minstrel shows in the back in the day that all black people are hating and hated on, you know, for, uh, you know, the black, the uh, black face and all that. To me, that's the equivalent of what TikTok cops are. And I understand that, man, bro, you being a boomer, dog. Why you hating on TikTok and social media cops? Because, man, you know, I understand that that is the way young people now today communicate. But just because it's new doesn't mean that it's better and doesn't mean that it's right. Because at the end of the day, you hopping on social media and dancing is not going to change somebody's perception. But you get putting your phone down and going the extra mile to help somebody while you're on the clock on duty, going above just, hey, I'm going to take this report for you. Going above that and, hey, I'm going to take this report, then I'm going to take you home, then I'm going to talk to your parents, and then I'm going to do this for you. Hey, you know, you take this report for a kid that's lost his bike that had his bike stolen and you take it upon yourself to go buy that kid a new bike. And then here's the thing, people, you don't have to put everything you do on duty on TikTok and on social media to get love. Because guess what? Believe it or not, that kid's going to tell people, Hey man, that cop was pretty cool, man. He just did this for me. This cop bought me a bike. Let the news get a hold of it. Trust me. You're going to be famous because they love that shit. And it happens all the time, but it doesn't always get out. But of course, you know, command's going to try to harp in on that. You know, I had a thing that happened to me years ago and I was mad that it happened. I have a friend whose son had cancer. And the last thing I wanted to do was, you know, be on the news for helping this kid be a cop for a day because he had cancer. But a certain officer on the department, he loves the spotlight. Oh, he's all about, you know, he's black and, you know, what is it called? The uh, inclusivity and you know, diversity, uh, yeah, DEI, diversity, inclusion, and equity in policing. He's all about that, all about getting on TV and on Spotlight. I was like, yo, I don't want the news there. I just want this kid to have a good day. Man, we let little Sam come down, got to be a police officer. I mean, this dude got, got to go with Chief Conrad's office, got him a badge and shirt and a hat. You know, we got to go check out the SWAT vehicles, the air unit, ride around. I mean, he had the best day ever. And I felt like this shouldn't be on the news, but I know they like to feel good stories. So guess what? Of course, somebody calls the news and I'm not going to I know who it was. that called the news. And he's like, well, you know, man, after I told him, like, don't contact the news, he contacted the news because he wanted to get that shine. I didn't want to shine. I wanted Sam to have a good day. That was good enough for me. Like I said, we have, you know, different cops, different people, different personalities, man. Some people want to shine no matter what. Me, I'd rather help you shine and fall to the background. And I'll be honest, I wasn't supposed to talk about TikTok cops, but guess what? Man, I got off script, but my God, I'm glad I did. And that just kind of fit in and flowed right in with everything I was talking about. <laughs> Boy, I love when a good rant just comes on and comes out of nowhere and I just go with it. You know, TikTok is not going to stop you know the sowing of seeds of division and hate tiktok is not going to do that no that is supposed to be the job of our leaders that stop against that and defend against that stuff but as i've said before for some odd reason our elected officials not leaders our elected officials are still planting these seeds of hate and division case in point y'all's boy 
I'm not going to say y'all's president because he's my president, too. But I'm not bragging about that. I did not vote for that man. I knew he was going to be a problem from day one. And he has proven to be that. But y'all's boy, President Biden, this fool, he's still going at it, causing division and causing hate. You know, a couple episodes ago, maybe a month or two ago, I did an episode where I talked about the Emmett Till movie and the incident of Emmett Till, the young black man who from Chicago, who went to go visit family in Mississippi and money in Mississippi, said something to a white lady there. And next thing you know, the, the white family comes and gets him, murders him, kills him, strings him up, lynches him and throws him in the river. You know, so it was a horrible, horrific incident that happened in the 50s. And like I said, my family's from Mississippi. We're only like an hour or some change away, maybe from money, Mississippi, not far. You know, could have been my family member. Who knows? I'm sure I've had plenty of people in my you know, lineage and line of ancestors that were lynched at some point in time. But to say that, you know, America today is still like that and we as black people should still have those concerns and worries is a bit far fetched, but not according to President Biden. So the other day, President Biden, in honor of Black History Month, invites a bunch of Negroes to the White House and of course, they're going to have a screening for the move at Till. Now, my question is, what was on the menu? I wish I knew if you went there for that event, please let me know. I really hope it was fried chicken and watermelon and some collard greens and some good old 10-8 mac and cheese on the menu. I hope it was, but I probably wasn't. <laughs> but Biden starts giving this speech talking about Emmett Till and, you know, they're getting ready to do the screening. And during the speech, he, you know, he talks about he brags about how he signed into uh, signed into law the Till anti lynching bill. You know, he signed that in in March 29th of 2022. And that makes lynching a federal hate crime, which technically, yeah, that's a good thing. And it makes sense. It should definitely be a hate crime and on a federal level. But my problem is, why are we just now doing this? And I know why he's doing it now. Because he wants to get all the black votes. He wants to get the Negro vote, you know, for all his constituents and all the Democratic stuff. And it's a pandering game. Why is he pandering? Like I said, he's pandering for votes and to keep black people on the Democratic tit and the Democratic plantation. And now him signing that bill was absolutely pointless. Like I said, it was just a show and a charade. Hey, look at how inclusive and look at how great I am. and Look how much I love you, Negroes. Him signing that in the law, one has to ask, when was the last time a black person in America was actually lynched? Go ahead. I'll wait for y'all to tell me. You know, you'll get the same response when you ask people how many you know uh, police officers kill black people a year. You know, you all oh, thousands, hundreds, and thousands. Like now, how many years do you all think it's been since the last black person was lynched? You know, you got some people probably uh, yesterday, man, I read a news article that said, you know, there's three in uh, in Florida the other day. And, uh, you know, man, that happens all the time. Well, you're wrong. It does not. The last time a black person in America was lynched was 42 years ago in 1981. A 19 year old black guy named Michael Donald. His body was found dangling from a tree in Mobile, Alabama. The murder, which was carried out by members of the KKK, the Ku Klux Klan, is sometimes referred to as the last documented lynching in America. So it has been 42 years since anybody of color was hung, for, hung up from a tree and left swinging and dead. But for some odd reason, if you listen to President Biden, you know, 
America 1981 is still the same America in 2023. See, Joe Biden made a speech before they played this, the Till movie. And the things he was saying during the speech, I was just left speechless like, bro, really? Do you really believe this stuff? And ladies and gentlemen, I'm, I'm going to play the clips for you all and let you all decide if you think this man is pandering and let you decide if you think these comments are an accurate depiction of America today for black people. Enforcing the lie that not everyone belongs in America and not everyone is created equal. Pure terror to systematically undermine hard-fought civil rights. Innocent men, women, children hung by a noose from trees, bodies burned, drowned, castrated. Their crimes, trying to vote, trying to go to school, trying to own a business, trying to preach the gospel, false, false accusations of murder, arson, robbery, lynched for simply being black, nothing more. With white crowds, white families <clears throat> gathered to celebrate the spectacle, taking pictures of the bodies and mailing them as postcards. Hard to believe, but that's what was done. And some people still want to do that. You know, as this film powerfully does, it tells the story of a mother's loss and a young son's promise, a nation's reckoning about hate, violence, and power. You know, before 14-year-old Emma Till left on his trip to visit his family in Mississippi, Miss Till, a teacher who knew the history, reminded him, be very careful how you speak. Say, yes, sir, no, ma'am. Don't hesitate to humble yourself if you have to get down on your knees. That conversation is not in the distant past. Same talk today. So many black and brown family parents have to have that similar conversation with their children, worrying about whether they'll come home from a walk down the street or playing in the park or just driving a car like we saw Tyree Nichols just last month. They're becoming a victim of too many acts of hate and violence unleashed on those known and unknown. You know, the one thing about that clip that really got me was the fact that he starts talking about black people driving down the street and being stopped by the police. Then he mentions Tyree Nichols. He's the black guy that was just killed in Memphis by the five Memphis police officers. He forgot to mention that Tyree Nichols, who was a black man, was beaten, stomped out by black police officers. Now, if you wouldn't have listened, you'd be, and, you know, if you weren't in tune with the news, you'd be like, man, it's got to be a racist white cop. Trust me. No one was more surprised than I than when I saw that video and, and they produced the pictures of those five officers and I saw they were all black like me. I was like, oh, damn. Oh, that that took a turn for the worse. Boy, how about that for starting Black History Month? The president makes these inexcusable and horrible outlandish comments and puts people in a state of panic and fear. And in this goofy loop, man, and then police departments have to counter and react and they get stupid and silly and they start putting out Black History Month police cars and all this other silliness when you don't have to do that. All you have to do is elect actual good common sense leaders in America. But we don't have that. And that is the one thing we're missing in America is good leadership. And that's the one thing a lot of people in the black community are needing and wanting is good common sense leaderships. I'm not talking Jesse Jackson and Al Sharpton's man and all them people. These people are not leaders. These are culture hawks. These dudes are grifters making money 
off of the perceived misery of black people and the unfairness and injustice that they service and that they have in this country is what they believe. A good leader is not going to let you play the victim every time something goes bad in your black life. A good leader is going to tell you, look in the mirror. What's the common denominator? You. It ain't your skin color. You just so happen to be black. But guess what? You keep making bad decisions time after time again, putting yourself in a bad spot in the situation. And then the police get involved. And then when you get killed, it's the police fault when it's not. It's your fault. And now I understand that there are certain economic issues and stuff that have happened in this country. And, you know, white people got a head start, yada, yada, yada. Who cares? This is America, man. You could you could be whatever you want here. Yes, you might not get the same hand dealt to you as somebody else. But guess what? Even the rich person's got a struggle. And guess what? Black people, you got a struggle, too. And you're not special because you have a struggle because you're black. Because if you all have heard me said no one group of people or culture owns the struggle. The struggle belongs to hum to humanity. If we could just get some good freaking leadership, this country could get back on track and change. Man, the profession of policing. If the police departments across America could just get good policing leadership and that political hacks that had just so happened to carry a gun and a badge, policing in this country would change for the better. And that is why I am so happy and proud to be an officer where I'm currently at now. You know, there was an article that came out a couple weeks ago and it happened in uh, L.A. with the Los Angeles Police Department. The police chief, Chief Michael Moore, says that there will be no displaying of the thin blue line flag at public events and station lobbies. Moore has also prohibited the thin blue line patches to be displayed on uniforms or decals on cars. The move follows complaints from the community from some people who believe the symbol has been hijacked by extremists and white supremacists. You know, that is coming from that police chief. That is just as bad and super cringy of the police chief from the uh, Webster Police Department. His name was a uh, police chief, Michael Shaw. That was during 2020, right after George Floyd. This man in his uniform laid down on his stomach with his hands behind his back, looking like an idiot wearing a mask while the protesters counted, you know, however long, you know, the officer kneeled on George Floyd. You know, so it was just like, come on, bro. This, this is not what your people need and your, your officers want to see. You now, you can talk to protesters without completely caving into these people and listen to them. But, man, just hearing this type of talk from police leaders and seeing this, it's disheartening for anybody within the rank and file. But imagine how the officers on the Los Angeles Police Department feel knowing that their chief is telling them that you can no longer fly the symbol of, you know, the thin blue line that's not racist and has not been hijacked. I mean, hell, anybody could take anything and hijack it and turn it into something negative. But that's not what the thin blue line flag is used to symbolize it. Now, I have a buddy that's on the police department on Louisville. Great guy. I love him, but he hates the thin blue line flag. And I understand his argument. His argument is that the United States flag of America, which is in, I believe it's in the flag law and all that, that it should never be altered. It should never be used as something cool like we have with the thin blue line flag. It's the, you know, you got the stars and bars on there, but the flag is now black and white. It's got the thin blue line through it. He hates it because he said, you know what? That's not America. America, you know, we don't we shouldn't have a certain flag for our profession. And I completely understand that and agree with it. But at the same time, I also understand, hey, man, it's a thin blue line flag, bro. I understand his argument. And, you know, it's 
I, I can't argue against it. I really can't. But at the same time, you know, it's a symbol of our profession. It's an honorable symbol. Now, somebody took the Confederate flag you know, and they ran, you know, they made a thin blue line thing out of it. Yeah, probably be a lot more questions with that. Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily be down for that one. But, hey, I'm not offended by the stars and bars. I just think that it has nothing to do with the thin blue line. You know, but, man, it's just so crazy that people's perception of a flag like the thin blue line is so negative. But that's, that's because people have hijacked it and they take these misconceptions and they spin them into this whole police are bad and racist and nobody should be have to see that line because it's offensive and see so for me that i'm happy to be where i'm at serving under my current chief who i'm not going to say his name or where we work at out of respect for him because the guy is phenomenal man and i man i can't say this guy's praises enough dude but i want to read you all a brief email i got from my chief well he sent out to the whole department because when i came to the department a couple of months ago I walked up to the building and I noticed that we had a thin blue line flag on the building, but the flag was tattered and old. Yo, and it was just in pieces flapping in the wind. I was like, dude, if we're going to have this flag, let's display it right. And apparently other officers had said something to command about the flag. Yo, so my sergeant takes it upon himself. and is like, yeah, we're going to order the new flag. Let's all chip in. We got the police department to come or the fire department to come over. And we use a ladder to help hoist up the new thin blue line flag at the police department. And, my chief sent this email out and it said, we have had several individuals ask us to take down the flag because it symbolizes a divide and distrust between the community. I have responded to them that it is a symbol of dedication to those who have given their lives to law enforcement and the dedication of those that serve. It's not coming down. Chief, I don't know if you're listening to this. But, man, thank you for having the balls and the cojones to stand up against that small 1% of the population that seems to think that the thin blue line flag is evil and racist and symbolizes a divide. Well, it symbolizes a divide, all right, but it's the divide between peace and chaos, not between cops and the black community. So, man, if you're listening, man, Chief, thank you, and also... I hope that transfer comes through real soon for me to get the mid shift and get off night shift. Just want to throw that out there, y'all. Just want to put that out there. <laughs> Man, it feels so good to be policing under good, solid police leadership, proven leadership. Like, man, it's so rare, bizarre these days. Like, when I saw that email, I was like, I had to slap myself, man. Almost shot myself on my own foot to make sure I wasn't dreaming. Like, bro, is this real? This is real police chief. Like, he's really standing up for the boys in the flag. Like, what? Oh, man, what a beautiful feeling, man. I freaking love my police department. I love my leadership, and I like the guys that I work with, man. It's definitely a unique place, and I'm glad to be a part of it. But, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to get ready to close the show out. But before I do, I was telling y'all, you know, how crazy this month has been. February, I mean, just the year starting out has been a little insane. But some February has just been a rough, rough start. And man, so I told you all a couple episodes ago that I went to Mississippi for the first time in 12 plus years to go visit. No, I think it was like 15 years to go visit my family, my dad's side of the family, the Pitts family and my grandfather, who was 85 years old and how I had not seen the man in so long. And he worked in the cotton fields for like 55, 60 years. And the man, he was a great man, never had an issue with my grandfather. You know, but unfortunately, family drama happened and 
what I perceived of things happening and and I kind of felt abandoned by people. So, you know, I kind of stayed away from my family. But man, I am so glad that I reached out to my grandparents and I had the chance to tell them how I feel. And I got the chance to go down there earlier or late last year and take my kids to go see their great grandparents. And it was just such a joyous and wonderful occasion. And I'm so glad that I did because on February 7th, I got a call that my grandfather, my kid's great grandfather, had passed away. And man, it's it's a sad thing. But at the same time, it's hard for me to be sad when somebody you love, you know, it, when they die. But when that person dies at 80 plus years old, man, yeah, you're going to miss them. You're going to miss all the things, you know. But man, for somebody getting to live a full life and not just a full life, but a good full life and leaving a great legacy. That's something to be proud of. Yes, you're going to be sad and spill tears. But I mean, him and my grandmother were married 62 years, excuse me, 65 years. Like that doesn't happen anymore these days. So as sad as I am at my grandfather's passing, man, I am so proud to carry on his last name. And I am just proud of the legacy that he set of hard work and just being smart and with your money and just doing what you got to do and taking care of your family and loving the Lord. Man, I learned something about my grandfather the other day from my grandmother that I never knew. Now he's born in 1932 or 37, man. I never knew that my grandfather did not know how to read or write. Never knew was never, never had the inkling of that at all because of the way the man carried himself and the way he worked. But my grandmother told me that the other day and she said, you know, he learned how to do a couple things like write his name and write his address. But he just literally couldn't. I didn't know that because at that point in time in his life, all he did was work. And I was just shocked. And I was just like, man, regardless of this man not having an education, he loved his family enough to make sure that all his boys, all his sons went to school and got educated. And not just that, despite him not knowing how to read and write. This man worked his behind off for years and worked from the lowest position in the field to where he was running the entire operation of the cotton fields down there. And not just that, this man bought two houses, cash money. And I know what you're saying. Well, yeah, you know, man, houses were cheaper back then. Yeah, but still, you got to think about this in context. This is a black man in Mississippi picking cotton. You're not making the most money, but to be able to save up enough money to buy two houses in cash. That's impressive, man. And that's the legacy that that man has left for me. So I am sad that my grandfather is gone, but I'm glad that I got the chance to make things right. And I remember my last conversation with him on the phone. He was talking about things between me and my family, my dad and my sister. And he's like, man, we're going to pray that things going to be all right. God's going to make everything right. That man loved the Lord and he knew his word. And our last words to each other were, I love you, grandson. I'll see you soon. And I I love you too, grandpa. I can't ask for a better way for a a better ending for a life than the way that that life lived. And unfortunately I did not get to go to the funeral service, which was on the other day on the uh, 18th because of family drama. So I stayed away, but man, so proud to have the last name Pitts. hashtag I am Pitts. But what does make me sad is when you lose somebody that's young, that doesn't get to have 80 plus years, 70 years, and somebody gets you know, chopped down in the prime of their life, that one hurts a bit more 
So waking up this morning, well, when we went to bed last night, we had heard that one of our friends from high school, John, John Simmons, that he was not doing well. He was in the hospital. And we woke up this morning to scrolling on a timeline, seeing that John had passed. John was a couple years younger than me. Like John graduated like a year or two after me. And he had two beautiful daughters, a beautiful wife. I've known John forever, gone to church with him and his family, just a beautiful family to learn that his life was, you know, that he died, you know, due to, I'm sure, medical issues. And it's such a young life, man. Now, that's something to be sad about because you now have these beautiful little black girls that are going to grow up without their father and just seeing the post from his wife. My girls need their daddy. That hurts because he's not going to get the chance to get 85 years and to leave the legacy like my grandfather did and would. I mean, John's still leaving a great legacy because he was a great man. He had a heart of gold and he was a man after God's heart, a wonderful husband and a wonderful father. And I'm not just saying that to say that he really was. Dude was awesome. I mean, I remember when I came back from Arizona, when I was going through the riots, he would check on me. And all of a sudden, it's just like this guy's gone. And I always question God, like, man, how could you give me 38, 39 years, but you didn't let John get this time to, you know, to you know, grow his young daughters and walk them down the aisle? How come his wife has to go through life without her husband and figure this out? That's the one, Those are the depths and the ones that hurt, man. Those get me because life is so uncertain and so tragic, man. And it happens in the wink of an eye. Man, we were sitting last night, you know, prepping my kids to do their, you know, to do their uh, projects at school and just laughing and having fun. You know, my family found old videos of me on YouTube and from 14 years ago when I was in college and I was 25 and I was a complete different person. You know, my family, my kids are just laughing at me and I had no clue that while we were laughing in this moment, having a great time that John was in the twilight of his life and that he's was hanging on by a thread and he didn't make it through the night and waking up to that, man, it just, life is so precious. Y'all I'm telling you, man, try to make things right with your family. If you are at odds, try to, you just never know when it's going to happen, man. Nobody does. And we all know there's nothing you can do in this life to beat death. Death comes for us all sooner for some later for others, but it eventually comes. And all you can do is hope and pray that when it comes, your family's good to go and that you have left a good legacy. Like these two men, my grandfather, Zebedee Pitts Jr. And my friend, John Simmons, man. So heart goes out to you know my Pitts family, my grandpa, I miss you, my man. And my buddy, John and his family. But also, man, it's been a rough month for law enforcement as well. As y'all know, I don't talk about a lot of law enforcement officers deaths on the show because man, it's just it's hard to talk about. It's sad. and It's tragic and it's ever ongoing. But my God, the month of February has been filled with so much tragedy in the law enforcement community. I mean, we had officer Sean Sluganowski from the McKeesport Police Department of Pennsylvania. He was shot and killed on February 6th. We had the young officer from the Milwaukee Police Department, Peter E. Jerving. He was shot and killed on February 7th, the next day. You know, we had Officer Charles Herring of Pembroke Pines Police Department of Florida. I believe he got in an accident. There's a young officer in Fountain uh, Police Department in Colorado named Julian Bar Baricia. I mean, he had to jump to his death and fell during a pursuit over a bridge. And then we had another officer in the Kansas City Police Department. His name was James Muhlenbauer. He died on February 15th automobile accident and then 
just the other day and uh, we had in Memphis a black police officer named Geoffrey Red. He was shot and killed while responding to a call on February 18th. And then also on February 18th, this young police officer with the Temple University Police Department. His name was Christopher Fitzgerald. Guy was sitting in his car, I believe, and somebody ran up and just shot him in the head and brought it into his life. Bro, it has been a horrible month, the month of February. I know we're supposed to have all these celebrations. It's Black History Month, you know, my wife's birthday, my son's birthday's coming, you know, Valentine's Day. But I told you, I mean, I can't been kind of detached and just, man, just kind of trying to stay level-headed amidst all the the death, man. It just feels like death is ever present. It's just everywhere. I mean, we lost a person a, a couple weeks ago here in Louisville, a former EMS worker. She committed suicide and took her life. You know, it's just been a nonstop flow of misery and death, man. But I know that eventually, you know, it's going to subside. But at the same time, you know, it's going to happen again. Somebody you know, somebody you love. So, man, I just want to say take the time in your life to contact your friends. Tell them, hey, man, think about you. I love you, your family members, whoever, man. All the people in your life that are special because we just never know if that last phone call we make is going to be the last time that we get to say what we want and need to say to them. So I just want to have a moment of silence for all those lost in this month. You know, my personal friends and family and all these lost officers. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been another episode of the I am Pitts podcast. Hey, I appreciate you all tuning in every week and whenever I post. Thank you all so much. I love each and every one of y'all. Thanks for the support, man. Thanks for downloading my wife's episode. She was worried about it. She was like, I can't believe you said that thing about it being in my mouth on the podcast. I was like, girl, that's the I'm Pitts podcast for you. But man, thank you all for showing her so much love and showing me so much love and support, man. And so also I was just on the 10, eight podcast. I'm sure if you listen to this podcast, you know, my story, you know, the book, you know what it is, man. She wants to go listen to that podcast, head over to 10, eight, the mean guy on Instagram, my dude, be sure to give that man a follow. He's got some great memes and great content. Listen to my interview. And we also have another contest going on there. If you listen to that interview and you can tell me what diet I am currently on, I will send you a free copy of my audio book. That's right. Just DM me on my Instagram at I am Pitts one on IG and tell me what diet I'm currently on. Winner gets a free copy of the audiobook. That plain, that's simple, man. And also, I'm excited about next week's episode. I did an interview with the local guy here who's not only a former U.S. Army soldier, but he served in the illustrious 10th Mountain Division. Climb to glory over in Afghanistan. Two tours in Afghanistan, a tour in Iraq, and also a tour in Africa. Phenomenal guy. His name's Jared Taylor and he wrote the book No Shit Here I Am. I interviewed him the other day and that interview was going to be coming out next week. It was a phenomenal phenomenal interview and he has a phenomenal book and I cannot wait to share that interview with you all. Speaking of books, you know what I'm about to say? My book is out. I am Pitts, Memoirs of an American Patriot. The funny thing is, today is 1 year to the day that I had my official book release event. Man, I can't believe how much time has gone by. And that just shows you how really nice my wife is. The fact that I had this book release event on her birthday, <laughs> man, what other wife would let her husband do that? Man, I'm a lucky man, y'all. 
man. But with that said, like I said, go, you know, go get the book. I am Pitt's memoirs of American Patriot. And hey, get the audio book, man. The audio book is banging. It's got some good reviews. You get to listen to me on the podcast and you get to listen to my deep serenading Black History Month voice. Tell you the story of my life. So go get it. Tune in. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this has been the I am Pitts podcast. Thank you all. And I will see you on the next one.